<laughs> I'm glad y'all laughed because I laughed hysterically at that video over and over and over again. Like I've watched it like six times. So I, I'm glad y'all think it's funny. If you didn't think it's funny, we just have different senses of humor, but we can still be friends. Will you go with me to the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, chapter one, verses nine through 15. As we go there this morning, we are beginning our Lenten series. We are going to be spending the next seven weeks together journeying through the season of Lent. And we're going to start this morning with the book of Mark. Here we go. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit was descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John, put, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is the word of God for the people of God, and together we say... Thanks be to God. As I said, we'll be journeying through Lent together over the next seven weeks during this season of sacrifice, which we'll talk more about. Um, We'll always, for the next seven weeks, we're going to follow the lectionary passages. So the lectionary, if you don't know, it's every three years we try to preach the whole Bible if you follow the lectionary from beginning to end. And some churches follow it every week. We use it a lot of weeks, but not every week. Sometimes we'll go on our own series. But for the next seven weeks, we'll be journeying through the lectionary passages. And those can be found on the internet. If you just type in Revised Common Lectionary, or you just type in Lectionary. If you ever want to read along or read ahead about what are we going to be preaching about this week, um, that's where you can find those verses. So as we get ready to jump in together, will you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And all God's people said? Oh my goodness. We've been together like seven and a half months now, family. And all God's people said? That's better. That's better. We're getting there. I figure y'all have known by now. We say all God's people said. We agree together with gusto, with vigor. I'm going to read to you something. You were cold. As the blood through your bones and the light which led us from our chosen homes. And now I sleep. I sleep the hours that I can't weep when all I knew was steeped in blackened holes and I was lost. Keep the earth below my feet. For all my sweat, my blood runs weak. Let me learn from where I have been. Keep my eyes to serve and my hands to learn. And I was still, but I was under your spell. When I was told by Jesus all was well, for all must be well, just give me time. You know, your desires and mine, wrap my flesh in ivory and in twine, for I must be well. These are the lyrics to my favorite song by Mumford and Sons. It's a band out of the UK. And uh, if you haven't listened to them, I encourage you to check them out. They've got some good music, some cool tunes. But I listened to this song about a person who, who's recently lost someone. You were cold as the blood run through your bones and all the light which led us from our chosen homes. A person who's just lost someone close to them, maybe a loved one or a family member or a significant other, is being sung from the perspective of someone who's truly faced with their own mortality as well. Who has thought their whole lives that they were indestructible, they were young, full of youth and energy, and maybe hadn't yet experienced tragedy. And then all of a sudden, someone close to them dies, and they're faced with the fact that they too 
have a limited time on this earth until quite abruptly out of nowhere that world is just rocked by that death. And now I sleep, sleep the hours that I can't weep when all I knew was steeped in blackened holes. I was lost. To be mortal is an interesting concept, is it not? The fact that we are finite temporal beings, that there's a limit to our time here on earth. And none of us know exactly when that time will be, when it will happen. It's not a concept we think about very often because it's very sobering. It's very melancholy. You know, we have the longest life expectancy in human history, and so we don't often think about our own mortality or the fact that we are temporal beings. But in truth, there's something deep in us that knows that we lay to bed every night with a hope deep inside of us that says, let us wake up again tomorrow to be another day as husbands or wives, sisters, brothers, mothers, fathers, children. I listen to this song every year at this time because in surrounding the days of Ash Wednesday and the beginning of Lent, this is the tone and tenor that the church historically has taken during this season. It's a chance for us during these seven weeks to do something that we don't normally do the other 45 weeks of the year. To remember the fact that we came from dust and unto dust we will return. On our Ash Wednesday service, if you were here, uh, myself or Kathy, we, we put a cross on your forehead of ashes and we both said the same thing every time. From dust you were taken, to dust you will return. It's a remembrance that God is eternal and human, humanity is temporal. During Lent, we practice self-denial as a way of remembering that our own vices sometimes cloud our ability to fully connect with God. And so we sacrifice of ourselves so that we can draw closer to God and remember that we are human, that we are mortal. And before we go any further, let's do a heat check. How's everybody doing with their Lent disciplines? Anybody still batting a 1,000? We're four days in. Heat check, for those who don't know, it's like if you're in basketball, you got a hot hand and you just shoot up some crazy shot to see if it'll go in, you know, and then batting a thousand baseball. I've tried to use less sports analogies lately. Um, Brianna says, I don't preach to, um, to a congregation of 70% collegiate athletes anymore, so less sports analogies, the better, but I felt like that this one kind of applies. Heat check, how's everybody doing? Everybody draining some threes, all right? Batting a thousand, everybody, you know, no one's... If you have messed up on your Lenten discipline, if you've already forgotten, say, if you gave up a Coke, if you gave up sodas, and then on Ash Wednesday, you were in your car, and you forgot, and you happened to drink a soda, I mean, you know, it's okay. The Lord still forgives, and we can still practice that discipline, and know that God is still going to be with us in this Lenten season. See, that's the thing. I have a bad habit of whenever I try to give up something, or take on a New Year's resolution, after I lose it, or after I accidentally mess it up, they'll be like, well, I can't do it anymore. I cheated. It's over. That's not the way it works. You can still continue to live into it. And as another side note, I have some friends and family members who who argue with me about this all the time. Not argue, but they just, we just see things differently. And that is, Sundays, you are allowed to have that thing you gave up. And it is not cheating. And I don't say this just as my own personal bias because I want to do the things on Sunday that I gave up. It's because the Lytton season was meant to be a seven-week journey. And that if we take it seriously, we need that reprieve on Sunday to remember the fact that all these things have already come to pass, that Christ has risen, that, that God came as, as you know, the Easter story, all these things that we're waiting to celebrate. We do celebrate and remember that every Sunday during Lent is actually a feast day. And feast day means we celebrate together. 
And so you're not cheating if you have your soda or if you watch your television or whatever it might be. If you're on Facebook on Sundays, it's okay. That's actually the way the tradition was created. But back to this whole thing about being mortal and the meaning of Lent. Our scripture lesson today from Mark might seem an abstract lesson for Lent to begin our first Sunday. Like there is a lot going on here. Just think, just look. There's Jesus being baptized, spirit descending like a dove, Jesus being tested in the wilderness, John was arrested, and then, went home, and then Jesus went home to Galilee to preach, and it ends with this emphatic command, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe in the good news. That's all in six verses. In six verses, we get baptism of Jesus, the, the voice of heaven coming down like a dove, we get Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, John, all these things happen in six verses. And that's just kind of how Mark writes, the gospel writer of Mark. I'm teaching a study on Mark every Sunday night right now, and if you're still welcome to join us anytime you want. We'll be in chapter six tonight. But Mark has this whole rapidity. He's just so fast. He just goes, and then Jesus did this, and then Jesus did this, and then Jesus did this. And we get a whole lot less commentary on the stories about Jesus' experience than we do in, say, Matthew, Luke, or John. And here we we get very little about the the miracles going on. We don't have as much to to know about or hear about whenever Jesus is in the wilderness. There's no story about Hasatan or Satan taking him and showing him a world and telling him he can have it or he can turn these stones into bread. That's all in Matthew. Those are later in other gospels. Mark doesn't have any of that. He just says, and then Jesus went into the desert, was tempted, and then Jesus came back to Galilee, and then Jesus preached and said, repent and believe because the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And that's what Mark gives us. And as we think about that, I wonder, is that enough? Is, Is it enough? Do we need that extra commentary on the stories? Do we need you know, all these other things that added on. I'm not trying to denigrate any of the other gospel writers. I'm just wondering, what is it when we say, well, we want the heart of the gospel. Oftentimes people say, well, what is the message of the gospel? What is the good news? What is, what is like the, the meat of the story? And is Mark offering us the meat of this story? And then later we're getting other things that help us that maybe the potatoes and the carrots and the onions. And I love onions, so I'm definitely gonna have onions in my pot roast. And I just wonder, what does that even mean for us to think about Mark saying, repent and believe in the gospel without any of the other additives to the story? And just a side note, too, if you're wondering, you know, do we do Lent? Why do we do 40 days? It comes from this tradition of Jesus sacrificed and was in the wilderness for 40 days, similar to how the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years. And so we sacrificed for the 40 days leading up to Easter. And that's how we got that number. It wasn't just some arbitrary, oh, we should do 40 days. And if you include Sundays, it's 47 days. That's why the seven Sundays kind of don't count. All right. By, by that is enough. I, I wonder... Um, did you know that the word for good news in Greek is euangelion? Euangelion, it's spelled E-U. You, can you say that with me on the count of three? One, two, three, euangelion. All right, well, that's good. So you practice your Greek, I'm proud of you. If you learn nothing today, you learn a Greek word. So you can go home and tell people, I know a little bit of Greek. So the same word in English is the same word for gospel. Good news and gospel are often used interchangeably. Euangelion means good news, it also means gospel. And what's ironic is we typically refer to Easter as the good news, don't we? When people say, well, what is the good news of Jesus Christ? What is the heart of the gospel? Oftentimes we'll say that Jesus died for our sins. Or if we're feeling long-winded, we'll say, Jesus died for our sins and defeated death and was resurrected so that we might have eternal life. When we talk about what is the gospel, that's usually our answer. And that's kind of the 
end all be all of when someone says, what, what is the gospel message? What is the good news? I just finished a new book this week by a friend of a friend. Her name's Kate Bowler. Um, I don't, I've never actually brought a book here to, to show you to, to check it out, but I feel so strongly about this that I would really recommend you read it. It was called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I Loved. And uh, we're going to do a series in a couple months about things that aren't in the Bible. Um, and this, will, this, that line, Everything Happens for a Reason, will be one of them. But this book is, was not what I was expecting. Um, I thought it was going to be about you know, things like that, things that aren't in the Bible, lines that we like to attribute to the Bible that aren't there. But, but this book was written by like, a, friend of, a friend of a friend. Um, Kate is friends of my friends, Chad Eggleston and Mandy McMichael, who are professors at Huntingdon. But before coming to Huntingdon, they were working on their doctorate at Duke when my sister and my brother-in-law were both there studying for their master's degrees. And Kate and Mandy were best friends, and Chad and Tobin, Kate's husband, they were really close friends. They hung out all the time. And Kate um, is an incredible person. She seems to have everything going for her. Um, a husband that loves her. Um, she, after a long time of trying and um, some failed um, pregnancies before, she had gave birth to her son, Zach. And then after graduating from Duke with her doctor, with our doctoral degree, she was actually hired by the Divinity School there at Duke, which is really rare. To be hired by a top-tier university right out of graduate school, particularly your alma mater, um, Kate's kind of got everything, it seems like everything going for her. All these struggles and all these things that we hope and wish for, it was going very well until one day she received a terminal stage four cancer diagnosis that she's now battling. And I'm not going to ruin the whole book for you because it is beautiful. And it's, I cried when I read this book, and I don't think I've ever really cried while reading a book. Um, and it, was, it made me laugh, it made me cry. But I got it on Tuesday, and I finished it in three readings, so I just want to put it down. But suffice it to say about this book, um, that was probably one of the hardest days anyone can imagine. If anyone has gone through that themselves, or if you have a loved one who's gone through that, maybe it reminds you of that season in your life or your family's life, whenever someone received a devastating diagnosis. Everything's going so well, life is amazing, and then in the blink of the eye, you're hit with the reality that it's about to be over or that there's nothing you can do about it. It's a real-life lint in the most extreme, dramatic, and crippling ways, this reminder that, that we are mortal. There's something out of whack in our life, and there's nothing we can do to fix it. And as humans, we're really like trying to fix things, don't we? I can't tell you how many times people I've talked to in you know, pastoral counseling or, or some other just life situation, and people say, well, I just, I, just, I just wish I could fix it. I just wish I could fix it. I just want to fix it. Have you ever said that? Have you ever thought that? Say, I'm just a fixer. I'm just a person who wants to fix things. Lent is a reminder that sometimes we can't, that there are actually things beyond our pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. So what was that good news that Jesus was talking about in the book of Mark? If it's not the fact that we get everlasting life, because that part of the story has yet to come in the good news, and I will say that as part of the good news, death and resurrection is definitely part of the good news. But if it was the only part, then Mark would have waited to add that line into the gospel until after Jesus was resurrected. Instead, we get this line that says, the kingdom of heaven is, is coming near, repent and believe the good news in the very first chapter of the book. So what else is euangelion? What else is gospel? I think it's this, friends. We as Christians, sometimes we get caught up in those last chapters of the Bible or of the gospel books because they are so meaningful and they are so passionate and they are so vivid and they create so much in us that, that stirs our souls. 
we think that all Jesus did sometimes is die and resurrect. But if that were the case, would not Jesus have just flown down, been killed, and gone back up to heaven? Jesus did something else as well. Jesus came and taught us how to live and lived with us. That is also good news. I do think part of the gospel message is that Jesus died and resurrected, and we're gonna be celebrating that in seven weeks. I hope you'll be with us on Easter. But we're not gonna rush to Easter because we have some remembering to do along the way. We have some remembering to know that the good news is also Emmanuel, that God is with us, and that God taught us how to live. I don't know what that fully means and how to explain it, the fact that God was fully God and fully human, but I believe it. And I believe it means different things at different times in our life. Sometimes we need God to teach us how to be better Christians. Sometimes we need God to teach us how to be better husbands or wives. Sometimes we just need God to be with us because there's pain in our life that are beyond words because things have happened that we can't even express The good news is that God is with us, that God came to live by our sides. More than anything, Lent is a time to remember that fact. It's a time to remember that we are alive, but we will not yet live forever, because if we're able to sacrifice, if we're able to practice Lent, it's because we are alive, and that we might live for 70 more years or seven more days, but during this time of life, God is with us. And so as we not rush to Easter, but during Lent we are present and we remember. In her book, Kate talks about what Lent was like for her last year. She says, I'm facing death and the church has demanded that for these 40 days, everyone stare it down with me. We are solid flesh, we are ashes. She also says, though, however, instead of finding people to grieve alongside, she's also often inundated with people skipping the season of mortal reflection entirely and trying to Easter her Lent. She used Easter as a verb. And talk about how people are trying to make her feel better. And, well, at least it's not this. At least it's not that. You know, be thankful for this. Be thankful for that. And sometimes when we're grieving, we just need somebody to be with us. When you lost someone or when something tragic happened in your life, do you remember all the things that were said to you? I don't. I do remember the people that sat with me, the people who remembered me, the people who were praying for me. So we remember our family members who have gone on before us and those who struggle with sickness and grief now. We remember our friends who've lost loved ones, jobs, and relationships. We remember the families of Parkland, Florida, and grieve with the mothers and the fathers who lost children, with the grandparents who lost grandchildren, with the friends who lost those whom they love. We remember all those around the world who are experiencing oppression, all those who have no voice of their own. We remember the forgotten children of Tegucigalpa, Honduras, We remember the thousands of women who have been taken from their homes around the world and sold into slavery. We remember all those around the world who grieve and who cry out in need, and we cry with them. That is what we do during Lent. We remember that we will not live forever, and that while we're here, 
We want to be the presence in others, in the way, presence in other people's lives the way God is present in ours. Because the good news is that Christ came and lived and still dwells with us. And soon we will celebrate the death and resurrection. But let us be the manifestation of Christ in the world now. Remembering those who grieve, mourning with those who mourn. Let us embrace those who are hurting. Let us sit and cry with them. May we be the church who recognizes the sacredness of each day and seek to live it with all those around the world. O Lord our God, teach us temperance and self-control that we may live in the spirit. Help us so to keep the fast that you have chosen that we may loose the bonds of wickedness, undo the heavy burdens, and let the oppressed go freely through the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen.